Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast, uh, sponsored by Amplins and Clavio. You're listening to myself, James Gerd, and the dulcet tones of my co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you today, sir? Yeah, good. Thank you. Getting over a few stressful calls, but uh, not too bad. <laughs> How are you doing? Um, well, I've been out in the garden doing like patio work and stuff today, so I don't have stress. I just have like aching limbs from doing stuff I haven't done for years. That's so all good. Um, Hello to everyone who's tuning back in and a warm welcome if this is your first time. We're hoping that you enjoy the podcast. Do subscribe to get episode alerts. We drop a new episode every week and we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify or Apple, please. Right. The topic today, um, and it is an important one, is what e-commerce teams need to do to prepare for a new site launch. So myself and Paul um, are flying uh, alone this week. We've got no guests. We're taking our project experience of working with a lot on a lot of different re-platforms. And what we're going to be talking about, some of the key tasks and preparation um, for launch, some of the the things that people often underestimate, um, how you get stakeholders ready and what to do on a day before, uh, during the launch and after. Um, So that's that's the setup. So let's start, Paul, I'm going to start by asking you um, probably the most important question, which is what are the most common mistakes people make and what do people often underestimate for new site launches? Yeah, so I think... um... I think there's so many on there, but uh, I think the preparation, I think preparing people around the project is key, like getting the agency to ring fence uh, resources. One of the ones I've written here is um, bad comms with some of the people that you wouldn't necessarily think about immediately. So your customer services team, free PL, ops team, etc. cetera. Um, so yeah, I think that like the people part is a massive one in comms. Um, SEO is obviously a huge one. I'd imagine we'll touch on that a few times in this. Little things like, you know, your DNS, uh, you know, making sure you've got your TTL right down and, you know, making sure the domains are set up properly, et cetera. Um, yeah, and I think they're probably, um, yeah, some of the bigger, bigger ones that I've seen recently but there's obviously so many more yeah i think that's a that's a good summary list um so with that in mind knowing that that people often underestimate how much time should be put into the planning for this because so much time has been spent going through law development phases uat you know obsessively fussing about getting the site looking good and often the focus towards the end becomes it looks good, it looks good, and then you take your eye off the ball on the practicalities of how you get a site launch. So that's why you want to help people prepare and make sure that they, they think this through in enough detail. So we're going to go through our top 10 things to focus on. So I'll start off. Number one is ensuring that the project owner is available, um, properly available all day, every day to, to firefight, um, but also when last-minute decisions are required. And often you do get this, you get a last-minute um, request for information from the agency, project owner's got to be available to drop everything else uh, uh, and respond to that ASAP so you don't lose any critical time in the preparation path for developers. And the other person is the sponsor. Now, a sponsor doesn't have to be involved in the detail of the going live, but a sponsor needs to be there behind the scenes if escalation is required. If there is any critical issue that needs to be escalated for resolution where it might you know, involve um, signing something off at last minute or it might involve ensuring that somebody else um, you know, is allocated to, to, to support the project even getting over the line, the sponsor's got to be there and able to respond. Um, if I've seen this before, where people have forgotten the sponsors on holiday, and then they can't get a decision that they need. And I've seen a site launch delayed by three days because of this. So critical that those two people, the owner and the sponsor, are there and are are ready to act. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the one that I've got here is essentially planning with your SI partner and any other kind of like key partners you have, like any consultants or anything like that um, in the lead up to launch and making sure that everyone knows their roles and responsibilities on the day of launch. Um, and then also planning that day to make sure that your comms are kind of on point and, you know, you're able to get things out to all of the third parties and everything else. So um, we, on the day of launch, quite often we'll have a Google Hangout starting really early. So if we're launching the site at seven in the morning, we'll be on there from half six till usually about midday. And you'll have all of the developers, everything on that call. And you won't necessarily be talking all the time, but you're there to raise anything urgent. And then the developer's time has been ring-fenced um, to, yeah, basically uh, handle anything that comes up. Um, Slack for a couple of days is also really useful if you can persuade the agency to do it. So um, we've managed to, on at least most of our projects, where you probably have two or three days where you've essentially got all people around the project in a single Slack channel. Um, and that can be really useful because that just helps to give people visibility of everything and making sure that you know all of the key stakeholders are aware of things, including the developers. Um, so yeah, that's um, I'd say they're both really good uh, things if you can get those achieved. Yeah, I agree with well, Slack. It doesn't matter, Teams, Slack, whatever the, the, the collaboration tool of, but not stick relying on email and phone, because especially when people are in the trenches, you know, the, the a development team's life through the, the final like 48 hours launch is is hectic as hell. You don't want to keep taking them away from coding by on the phone, on the phone, on the phone, or in meetings, or having to pick up emails and people miss emails as well because they're busy. So yeah, I definitely agree. I think that can be a really dynamic way of just getting last minute things over uh, over the line so my next one um which which links links this is a, a go for launch checklist and this is a client-led checklist not the agency one it's it's the e-commerce um lead who's typically the project owner saying what has to be in place as a business for us to push the button and go live so this is things like what's the critical functionality that's got to be working and it could be integrations. Like you might have accepted that you're not going to have um, integration to your new CRM in time for launch. Therefore, that doesn't have to be turned on. Um, you know, it's things like all the licenses. Uh, and especially if you are changing third parties, do you have the license for the new third parties in place? Have you moved your um, your developer test license into like a production license? I've seen this before where people have, have had like a, a test license, but it's not um, uh, it doesn't work on the production environment. And they suddenly realise the day before launch that they've got to sort that license out very, very quickly with a third party. Um, so it's these these sort of things. What is your checklist so that you as an e-commerce manager can say, yeah, we are ready as a business? Um, and that links back to the comment Paul said about conversations internally with people because it can be some of those checklist items are we sat down with customer services and made sure that they are prepped and ready in case there are any issues or people phone up saying, oh, I'm not sure how to do this or how do I reset my password, et cetera. Make sure you've got that line by line. You just tick, 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 tick. And actually, it's quite a satisfying thing uh, given all the stress is as you start ticking these items off, it can be quite quite a uh, yeah very satisfying process to go through. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and there's so many of those things. I think that having mostly worked on Shopify recently, that account reactivation one is the big one for the customer services team because that can be a nightmare. Um, and yeah, even like uh, changing content and stuff and making sure you've got the right prompts in place, definitely key. 
Um, and then, so my next one is basically definition around how bugs should be handled. Um, so pre and post uh, launch. So making sure you have the right documentation in place um, and everyone knows how to raise bugs and prioritize bugs, et cetera. And the agency's you know, aware of that process and uh, communicating around bugs and ticking them off, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, same point around pre-booking resource as well. So I will usually uh, kind of, basically have that project sponsor um, in an email and ask the agency to make sure they've got resource for three days after launch, whatever it looks like. And if for any reason you're launching on like a Wednesday, there's at least some level of support over the weekend, for example. Um, yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and just, I guess, like, yeah, same principle, just making sure that everyone's aware of what's going on and what they need to do if they see issues. Yeah, I think that's an important one of being very clear about what bugs you can leave to afters because you can't, You, I mean, it's, it's hard to get absolutely everything you ever wanted to get done for launch without it creeping. So sometimes the pragmatic view of we can live without these five things, they're in a snagginess, that's fine. As long as they're done as fast follow and really in the next um, sprint after launch, we, we cope with it. Um, Excellent. So my next one, uh, next point, number five, is making sure your core project team is available before, during and after. So that I guess that links very closely to what you said about the development resource, but it's wider than that for me. It's, it's your, your client-side project manager. Um, it's your technical lead. It's the e-commerce lead. Making sure that they know when it's going live. That there is that if they're not there, that they've given a suitable alternative who has got the the credibility to to act and to make decisions, and and another thing that it, this really depends on on size of business, but having a project room dedicated, just like the instant room in like a uh, in a police investigation, but having a dedicated room where that core project team can be sat and not distracted by the day to day hubbub of an office or people walking past going, how's it going? How's it going? Because no matter how well meaning that is from other people in the business, it can be massively annoying when you're, you're stressed and going, we've got to get this done. And every five seconds, someone's like, oh, are we there yet? Are we live yet? So having a dedicated room where you can focus and therefore you can very quickly talk to each other and sort things out on the fly. I think that's absolutely essential. That ring fencing, it lines up with the point you made, Paul, about the developer's hypercare, which is they've got to be available. You've got that resource ring fence afterwards. You've got to do that internally as well because there's no point having having the developers ready if the people in the business who need to input and make decisions aren't there and aligned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. Um, and then the next one I've got is just make sure that all of the external partners are uh, briefed. So there's some obvious ones that are often forgotten. So like um, paid, which I think you were about to come on to some of those teams. Um, analytics is often another one where there's some changes that need to be made after launch or like GTM containers need to be published or whatever else. Um, the SEO agency is the biggest one, uh, making sure that there's a plan in place for the SEO agency to, you know, test all the redirects and make sure that the data migration has gone through as it should have done. And also equally as per the last one, make sure that there's a process in place for them to 
uh, raise these and access the right people, etc. Um, but yeah, briefing all, and for the free PL is obviously the other major one as well. Um, but yeah, just making sure that everyone kind of around the project is briefed. Yeah, that's so, so important. Taking the time to, to sit down and it's not just saying we're going live, but it's explaining where things might have changed, like processes that might be different. So I've seen this with customer service and some people outsource customer service. Let's not forget, it's not always internal. And and the thing that often gets mis- missed out of this is we have a process, say for, there's a process around returns and that that has fundamentally changed. Now you've got an online portal and people are expected to initiate the return there first rather than emailing. No, having the people trained to understand what the change of the customer is, how it works, and therefore what they would need to say to the customer if the customer inquires to get people on board with it. Yeah, hugely, hugely important. Um, yeah, so that that thing about the paid media team, that, yeah, my next point, number seven, was going to be working with the paid media lead in your business. Um, sometimes I know that might be an agency, might not have an internal paid media person, but what do you do with campaign traffic? I know, you know, the reality is now with a lot of modern platforms, you don't have this period of volatility post-launch where you go, I don't want to, I want to turn off all my paid media for eight, for like what, 24 hours, 48 hours until I'm sure it's all stable and the bugs are fixed. Um, it's definitely a lot quicker to get to the point where you're confident in turning the taps, but it's well worth it. If anything happens at launch, something critical where payment gateways down, for example, somebody put the wrong link into it and it's it goes still going out to the test environment. You don't want to be chucking paid media at the site until you're confident that that end-to-end order management piece is correct. So having that and saying, okay, you know, these are our stage gates for when we turn the traffic back on and we'll turn it on at a gentle pace before we ramp up to full campaign traffic again. Um, I think that's a really important conversation to have and people often don't. And then a paid media person who's got alerts set up goes, something's going on, what's going on? And then, you, oh, yeah, sorry, we, we put the site live. Yeah, I've seen that one before. Um, great. And then the next one um, is basically having a rollback plan and making sure that people are aware of that, particularly the SI, um, so that if you do have any critical issues like your yeah payment provider issues or server issues or whatever it is, um, that, yeah, you can kind of roll back to the previous version of the site. Um, and then another one that I've just put alongside that was just um, it's good practice to basically have a plan for kind of essentially if you've migrated over the dns has changed maybe you keep your password page up for a little while and do kind of soft testing before you then remove the password page but yeah the initial kind of plan is really important yes having a plan generally i think that's the theme of this podcast is make sure you have a structured plan and you follow it follow it you can always adapt your plan on the fly um based on, on what you're experiencing but not having a plan makes it an absolute headache um number nine for me is Deciding whether or not you're doing a full launch or a phase launch. Now, a phase launch typically only suits larger organisations with more technical resources who could control and manage this easier and also have the funds to like pay um, for, for co-running of sites. But this is basically where you don't turn... The, you don't just switch from old to new to the entire traffic. You gradually expose the new site to small um, sections of traffic. You have to have that level of, of additional level of technical oversight in order to be able to gradually pipe more traffic into it. The aim of this is to basically look at, well, actually, are, are we seeing any major instability? Are we seeing any major problems? No, right, let's ramp up from 10% to 25%. Is it still holding? Then up to 50%, giving yourself the confidence to say, right, we can now turn on all the taps. So 
for smaller businesses, for smaller teams, this is not really a conversation that happens in, in, in larger, more complex projects. It does. And, and even to the point of where you might turn around and say, well, actually, we're, you know, we're an eight-site international business. We're only, we're only switching over the DNS on one of the sites first, and we'll pick the lowest market in terms of um, lowest risk, um, lowest revenue uh, um, loss, and we'll do it on that to make sure that that new setup, and that's the end-to-end setup and integrations, third-party integrations, ERPs, et cetera, we're confident because then you can gradually turn on the other sites and build up to your main primary store, knowing that your confidence levels when you hit that that uh, critical store launch um, are much higher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the next one I've got is basically making sure you've got all of the reporting and monitoring in place to really see the impact, any potential negative impacts of launch. Um, so one would be unsuccessful loggings or kind of issues from a CS perspective around that, because account migration is one of the biggest kind of risk areas when you migrate platform and typically you won't be migrating uh, passwords so that whole piece uh, needs to be managed so that needs to be monitored um one that i tend to do is i'll always have a survey on the order confirmation page um ideally where you can see the customer as well um, but basically just asking for feedback on bugs and that can be really good potentially you could have it on the kind of front end of the site as well so a lot of people will have that little feedback tab um for a few days just to get um yeah kind of general feedback because that's obviously particularly useful if people have checkout issues um so that's another good one monitoring of 404s is an important one as well just because that does happen and that allows you to fix uh any issues of redirects etc faster um and then the other one would just be organic visibility so i would usually brief an SEO agency to have like a high level uh, graph that essentially shows things like impressions and clicks from search console, organic traffic, et cetera. So there's like a single um, revenue. Uh, so there's like a single point where you can go and view um, the impact that again could be uh, one of the higher or most volatile areas. Yeah. The one I'll add to that, which I think is really important is a, a dashboard of error rates on the site yeah. before, during and after. So this is things like form errors, um, where a form isn't submitted correctly or there's a particular field that's run an error, finding out what the error is uh, and where it is. And if you're seeing an increased incident of errors in a specific part of the site, that helps you really to hone in on where there might be, um, maybe there's a problem with form validation, or maybe there's a bit of JavaScript that's not working. It's just so critical to smooth out those errors ASAP and push them through into your triage queue. Um, yeah, all, all good suggestions. So here's a, here's a bonus number 11 for everyone listening. We said we'd do a top 10, but we're feeling generous today. Uh, so 11 is agreeing the actions that the e-commerce team need to prioritise post-live. So you're launched, it's live, you've done all these other checks. Um, what are the things that, that that are your sanity checks as an e-commerce team? And this is things like making sure the web analytics reports are populating correctly. Um, you might have spent time and effort, you know, setting up a, a new like GA4 property and you've got GTM set up and you've got all these extra custom events. Are they actually populating? Put some put some uh, dummy uh, orders through, test orders to validate the end-to-end payment and then also measure and track what you're seeing in the analytics to make sure you're confident it's still working correctly. Uh, you may have an external analytics partner, as Paul's alluded to before. If so, that's just, you know, we've said you get them briefed and you make sure they're feeding this information in. Um, order management flows as well. Are orders getting out of e-commerce downstream to wherever they need to be through the ERP into warehouse management systems? Um, is the data that's required from e-commerce coming through? Just just whoever's responsible for the, the, the logistical side, 
um get somebody just sense checking those order files and make sure you're happy that everything is there um, and the other thing is checking business logic so on the front end of the website i'm going in and i know i've got a shipping restriction that this product can't be sold to the the um, uae for example okay i'm going in and, and putting a shipping destination uae is it allowing me to buy it or is it saying unable to ship to your destination so get those critical shipping logic and promotion rules stress test them and make sure that the front end customer is aligned with what you think you've set up in the back end. And the aim here is to identify big issues and fix immediately. So it's always focused on critical stuff first and work your way down to the small little snags. There's our, um, there's our fast, uh, our fast track top 10 and the bonus one. Um, anything obvious you think we've missed Paul? No, I don't think so. I think just the more precautions you can put in place, better like things like dependent on budget and platform, things like, different levels of automated testing can obviously um, really help. And there are kind of bug monitoring platforms as well. Um, I've forgotten the name of the one that I was going to recommend. Um, I'll add it to the notes because I can't remember it. Um, it's got a funny name. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, so basically, yeah, anything like that can be really valuable. Um, yeah, and I think to be honest, we've covered everything else really. Like there's, yeah, it's just a case of getting it getting everything planned and written down and putting the right process in place really isn't it yeah exactly i think yeah i think my part comments will be don't forget to just look at things across devices i know it seems so bloody obvious um but actually weirdly whereas maybe three four years ago everyone did everything on desktop and no one was properly checking mobile which was crazy even though mobile still smaller part of traffic now i'm finding some people all they do is look at the mobile site they they don't even check on the desktop and you get some issues creeping into the desktop ux so just make sure that you are sense checking stuff across your device your key devices um don't rush it it's worth giving yourself that extra bit of time just to give yourself a bit of peace of mind cool well hopefully that's been useful uh, you know i'm sure some of it might be obvious to you hopefully there's been a few additional tips you wouldn't have thought about that will help you get better prepared um, for your e-commerce project do reach out if you've got any questions or if you've got anything else you think we we should have mentioned that we didn't please do let us know uh, we don't think we've got the right answer to everything and thanks for listening keep an ear open for our next episode they land every week uh, typically on a tuesday we'd love you to subscribe and we'd love a rating on apple spotify or youtube thanks very much For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.